Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. Three. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 9, Save Henry. The original air date was December 1st, 2013. The writers were Christine Boylan and Daniel T. Thompson. The director was Andy Goddard. And the title card shows Pan's shadow. We begin our tale in the enchanted forest of the past, as the curse makes its way to the royal castle. The evil queen visits Rumpelstiltskin's cell to gloat that she has finally cast the curse. You know, you probably shouldn't start an episode with a close-up of someone whose makeup is so poorly done. Like, I will absolutely never understand the inconsistency in Rumpel's makeup. Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshot right now, and it is half rubbed off his hands and forehead. His eyes look great, but nothing will ever top that pilot episode makeup for me. It's like he just was rubbing his face on the bars until she showed up. Yeah, I was like, did they forget to set his makeup? <laughs> and then he just rubbed his face on the bars like when a dog doesn't want to be crated. Yeah. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin asked Regina how it felt. And she replied by saying that watching the cloud curse form felt like victory. After a baby goat giggle, Rumpelstiltskin clarifies his question asking Regina how it felt to kill the thing she loved most, ripping out the heart of her father. Regina deflects, saying it was the price of the curse, and that it doesn't matter how it felt, and that her father would have understood. And I'm like, would he, Regina? Would he understand? Actually, maybe Henry Sr. would have understood. I mean, he was an enabler, so there you go. Regina claims she has won, but Rumpelstiltskin calls out her need to gloat as an indicator that something is missing. The evil queen contradicts this, saying she has everything now and nothing can stop her. Rumpelstiltskin reminds her about the savior, the promised child of Snow White and Prince Charming. And even if Regina can stop her, Rumpelstiltskin proclaims that there is a hole in the evil queen's heart that will one day cause her to come to Rumpel to fill it. Regina thinks he is trying to taunt her to make another deal, but the lizard wizard claims he is right where he wants to be. And in that moment, she realizes she's been played, but promptly forgets all about it because she's about to wake up in Storybrooke for the first time and just be really excited about short hair and sweet power suits. <laughs> in present-day Neverland... Emma, Regina, and Neil desperately try to wake up Henry as Peter Pan lands back on Skull Rock. Emma asks him what he did to Henry, but Pan professes that it was Henry himself who gave him his heart of his own free will. Emma pulls out her sword and goes after him, but with his powers renewed, Peter Pan is able to dodge her, only with a slight nick to his face. Got a hand to Emma. She is not above trying to stab a child. She Hulk. <laughs> he shows off Pandora's box, saying that if Rumpelstiltskin didn't have the guts to hurt him, neither do the heroes. As Peter Pan leaves, Regina promises Henry that she will save him. In the storybook of the past, 11 years ago to be precise, Regina is filling out paperwork at her home office when Archie arrives. Aw, Archie. I missed your soothing voice. It's 
so soothing. I love him so much. This show never has enough Archie, but we're blessed whenever he is here. I feel like he needs to narrate either like nature or space documentaries. Oh, yes, please. I would love that. That'd be fantastic. Archie assumes he was summoned for a Pongo-related offense. Pongo's a good boy. It would be nothing Pongo did. (laughs) But it becomes apparent that it is his professional counsel which Regina seeks. After Regina claims she feels nothing, Archie assesses that Regina's dedication to her work and ambition have left Regina needing to find meaning to her life from other sources. Archie inquires if there was ever a time when Regina did not feel this way. The mayor recalls when Owen visited Storybrooke, prompting Archie to agree that some find meaning in children. And then you murdered Owen's father and buried him in the woods. (laughs) Aww. Memories. Misty (laughs) water-covered I literally wrote almost the exact thing in my notes for this part. I'm like, oh, that poor sad dad. There has to be a buzzing noise in Archie's brain that does not allow him to compute that this event occurred 18 years ago. (laughs) It's just like... (laughs) He just had to delete it in order to get through his day-to-day existence. (laughs) Yeah. He's just like, oh, yes, when that child visited it and everything was totally normal and nothing weird happened. And then he wanted to leave and you just let him, right? Right. That's what happened. You You packed him a lunch and sent him on his way. Right. That's right. They just went right back home to New Jersey to be with the boss. It (laughs) It was all totally normal. You know, I have to say for this storybook of the past scenes, I'm really glad they didn't tout out poor Graham. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have seen him, but I'm glad we didn't because it would not have been in the correct context. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. They did us all a favor with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Christine Boylan, because I'm going to give you that credit. Although I think we are close to uh, Fifty Shades of Grey time now. Oh, he was too busy doing bad softcore. Some Skinamax light (laughs) ultra. (laughs) (laughs) oh no i mean it's not wrong (laughs) regina immediately goes to mr gold for help i need a child and i need your help is so not the way to open such a topic but then we wouldn't have had like the amazing reply i'm flattered but uninterested (laughs) regina complains that all of the adoption agencies she spoke with have a two-year waiting list she believes he can cut through the bureaucratic red tape Despite his doubts on Regina's ability to put her child before herself, Mr. Gold agrees to help. Back in Neverland, Regina casts a preservation spell on Henry to keep him alive, buying them time to find Pan. Emma turns to Neil for guidance, but aside from Pan's compound, he is unsure where Pan may have gone. Regina thinks returning to the compound is idiotic, and calls Neil useless. Emma snaps back, but Regina defends her ire, claiming no one knows how she feels. She elaborates that while she may share custody with Emma, the savior has her parents, Neil, and even Hook, while Henry is the only person in Regina's life. He is everything to her. Emma takes the higher road and admits that she does not know what Regina feels then asks her what she would like to do. How do we save Henry, Emma asks. 
Title of the episode is spoken. That's definitely on a bingo card. Regina confesses she does not know. Neil explains that Pan may be too powerful to defeat, but Regina points out that Emma managed to nick him and make him bleed. And if he can bleed, then they can take him out. Overall, I really like this scene. First, they're lashing out at each other, but eventually they see where each other are coming from and kind of have this moment where they share in each other's grief. And then finally have like, Regina gets that eureka moment. I thought it was very well acted, especially by Lana and Jennifer. I just love that they're horny for blood. <laughs> they're like, this this fey boy's going down. It's oh. their thing. It's what keeps their relationship alive. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to a little later in the jungle where Emma, Regina, and Neil are reunited with Snow White, Charming, Hook, Wendy, and the Lost Boys. And we also get the return of the middle of the jungle bed. <laughs> Regina tries to shake the man-child Felix for information, but he claims that Pan is gone and there is nothing she can do because he has already won. Regina goes to extract his heart, but Emma stops her. Emma, you're such a killjoy. Emma believes another tactic will work. Give the Lost Boys a mother. Back in Storybrooke of the past... A nervously optimistic Regina visits the pawn shop where Mr. Gold informs her of the fortunate news. An adoption agency he spoke with just placed a baby born from Phoenix with a family in Boston. Also for the bingo card, Boston. Everything is in Boston. But the placement fell through. Regina will now be able to adopt him. I love how suggestive this scene is. Mr. Gold... <laughs> spoke with the agency and the family that was supposed to adopt the baby <laughs> fell through. When Regina travels to the adoption agency in Boston, the adoption agent tells her that her application is almost too good to be true. Because it is. But gushes over her qualifications nonetheless. The infant is brought in and given to Regina, who gives him the name Henry after her father. She explains that her father passed, and the agent hopes he passed peacefully, which prompts baby Henry to start fussing. The baby knows. Regina's like, oh, well, I ripped his heart out, but he probably would have been fine with it. The whole scene bothers me because everything out of the adoption agent's mouth sounds incredibly disingenuous. And I think the fact that he's grinning while being like, wow, Regina, sorry your dad died doesn't help. Yeah, this guy was really bad at his job. So it's probably one of two situations. So desperate to get a baby adopted and into a home affluent enough to care for it with a seemingly, you know, clean paper trail or shady enough that they just want the money. Considering Mr. Gold brokered this deal, I'd say a bit more of the latter rather than the former. And tragically, this is actually not uncommon. In Neverland, we open with a quiet moment of Neil worriedly sitting by Henry in the jungle bed. His concern here is really palpable and it's mm -hmm. just this fantastic little emotive moment for Neil. It made my heart hurt. I really, I, it was one of my favorite moments of the episode actually. Uh, he doesn't say anything. It's just mm. him looking, admiring, but also with that paternal concern on his face. Yeah. It's a really, it's a nice little moment. Emma tries to gently persuade the Lost Boys into helping her find Pan. She tells them her story of being an orphan and finding her family. 
low rent Jamie Campbell Bauer tries to convince the boys that Pan does care for them and he is the only family they need. Emma counters that family does not make one commits act of violence or lie. Furthermore, Emma promises the Lost Boys that if they help her, she will take them home to Storybrook. In spite of Felix's refusal to cooperate, everyone else agrees to help and reveals that Pan has retreated to his thinking tree. Also, Felix is like 35, so the adoption boat has really passed him by. He just needs to get a job. And to top it off, there's nothing quite like watching a grown-ass man in his 30s who is pretending to be 11 having a full-blown temper tantrum. (laughs) Yeah, it's really something. It was borderline uncomfortable. (laughs) In the storybook of the past, Regina takes baby Henry to Granny's diner, where he is particularly fussy. God, this is just the drooliest baby. (laughs) It's time to be quiet now. Her line is just very cute in a oh honey kind of way because that's what works with babies yeah Yeah. you just you inform them that now is the time and they go oh yeah you're right oh yeah okay yeah (laughs) granny advises regina to tell him a bedtime story so that he will get used to her voice however when she lifts henry out of his carrier and begins his story he pukes (laughs) on her regina subsequently takes henry to the hospital where dr whale gives him an exam He assures Regina that there is nothing wrong with him, but if she wanted to make sure, she would have to find information on Henry's birth mother. The exchange with Dr. Whale, where he goes, is he a smoker? (laughs) Where Regina (laughs) genuinely considers, oh God, is he? (laughs) About a literal baby (laughs) is hilarious. Also, what was with Wales Buzzcut? Did he just get back from the army? I'm guessing it's whatever role. I'm sure. I know it's probably what David Anders is doing. It's like, all right, but you got to deal with my hair. And they're like, I don't know. Maybe he was like, perhaps Papa will approve of me if I have short locks. (laughs) Papa. I don't know. He probably just cut his hair himself. (laughs) And it didn't go well. (laughs) Will this make Ruby notice me? (laughs) Spoiler alert, it didn't. It, It did not. I know. In the lobby... Regina calls Sidney Glass to charge him with finding information on Henry's birth mother through any dubious means. Mary Margaret passes by and Regina hands off a squalling Henry, who instantly calms down and quiets while Mary Margaret holds him. And cursed Mary Margaret just accepting baby Henry and just like walking away with him in the background while Regina was on the phone was very funny to me. She was like, I guess I have a baby now. Here we go. (laughs) Ecstatic that her baby has ceased fussing, Regina retrieves him, only to have him resume crying inconsolably. In Neverland, Emma and her allies make a plan to find Pan at his thinking tree and bring Henry his heart. Neil is to guard Henry while he also rounds up the lost boys on the Jolly Roger and prepare it for the flight. While Emma, Regina, and Mary Margaret go to get Henry's heart. Also, in this scene, Wendy is, like, putting damp cloths on Henry's head. And it's like, sweetheart, he doesn't have the flu. He's fucking dead. Bless your heart, but come on now. I must protect Bay's child. She's just like, oh, there, there. And I'm like, darling. (laughs) Literal darling. Darling, that ain't gonna help. (laughs) 
Also, every time they bring up Peter Pan's thinking tree, I just think of Winnie the Pooh's thoughtful, thoughtful spot. Thoughtful spot, yes! <laughs> the same thing! So where he goes, his thoughtful he, spot. Thoughtful where spot. he goes, think, 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 right? Uh-huh, yeah. Yes! <laughs> I was having that image too, and I didn't know that that, that had like a specific name, but I uh-huh. was just like- There's a I spot for it in Disneyland and everything. Mm-hmm. In Disneyland, you can go, it's when you get off the Pooh ride, you know how there's the little shop where you can get the treats? Yes. If you go all the way through it to the exit that puts you where Splash Mountain dumps out and kind of yeah. walk back that way, in between where there is the Winnie the Pooh ride and Splash Mountain, uh-huh. in between that, they're in a little divider where they sometimes have Pooh come to meet and greet. Yes. They have Pooh's Thoughtful Spot right there Aww. with a little spelled, sign. Yeah, it's spelled Thoughtful T-H-O-T. So, thought. <laughs> so women are queens i i did i do have a friend who needed to pose with thoughtful spot <laughs> for bet. that reason so yeah next time you're at disneyland you too can go take a picture with Pooh's thoughtful spot yeah i do just imagine peter like just with sitting one- on a stump thumping his head going <laughs> think, 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 think 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's all i could think of they could be like he's at his thinking tree i was like oh his thoughtful spot <laughs> we return to storybook of the past where regina is trying to work from home while henry is still crying regina at this point is just like just tell me what's wrong to baby henry and i'm like he's a baby ma'am he can't talk yet i am but an infant mother she's like tell me baby talk <laughs> to me that's how that works you know if she had like all her magic it'd be like talk baby be like a sabrina the teenage witch episode oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> be a big boy be a big boy be a big boy yeah rudy because rudy kazooty mr kazooty <laughs> Is that our next podcast? Is Sabrina the Teenage Witch? I would honestly love that because I, I mean, obviously, you know, I love that. My cat's named Salem. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't get to see all of it, actually. I, I, kept- I would be delighted to do a Sabrina the Teenage Witch podcast. It gets really bad, but the last, epi- the last episode is not, not too shabby. Also, Salem is always wonderful. Salem is always. Like, no matter how bad the show gets, Salem is always the best character in it. I also like Carolina Ray. Yeah, she's great. We could talk about Sabrina for hours. Yeah, I've watched that show so many times. Regina picks Henry up and cradles him in her arms, and he finally stops crying. Sydney then faxes Emma's information to her, the contents of which astonish Regina. She immediately storms over to Mr. Gould's pawn shop, accusing him of having preordained the entire situation. Mr. Gould is legitimately bewildered by her anger. Seeing that Henry's birth mother being found outside of Storybrooke 18 years ago as only a weird coincidence. Regina recalls the last conversation she had with Rumpelstiltskin, that he told her one day she would come to him because of the hole in her heart. Realization washes over Regina. Rumpelstiltskin wants the curse to end. He wants this mystery mother of Henry to return and have all of Storybrooke destroyed. After a mild taunt, Mr. Gold merely waits as Regina continues to bluster about nothing coming between her and the life she built. Not even a baby, for she is returning Henry to Boston. In this whole scene, Regina is just whipping that baby carrier around like a goddamn (laughs) Ferris wheel. And I am so concerned for this spitty child. Also, okay, so Gold 
is actually cursed during this part, right? Yeah. So, like, this all must have been pre-baked into the curse by Rumpelstiltskin pre-curse. And, like, I guess it's really good he had future vision. I think it was the Emma. I think maybe, like, it... Well, no, because if it was a closed adoption, even he wouldn't have known Emma's name. And Emma coming and saying her name triggered his memory. Yeah, I don't... Maybe he just got the words Phoenix baby you know and that was it you know maybe he he had it scribbled on his person somewhere memento style (laughs) right right i think right now we can just assume it's future vision and he got really lucky yeah (laughs) and this is baked into the curse somehow i liked my idea that he just had all this shit written on him memento style i do like that too i like that too (laughs) just tattooed yeah just be like (laughs) go to Go to Phoenix, get baby. Get baby. <laughs> Buy Regina baby from Arizona. <laughs> what? I don't know what Arizona is. But... He's like, what's in Arizona? I don't know. I, I assume I'll figure it out when it happens. <laughs> Who is Arizona? Who is Arizona? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. In present-day Neverland, Emma, Regina, and Mary Margaret find Pan's thinking tree, his thoughtful spot, thoughtful spot, and Pandora's box. As Mary Margaret tries to grab the box against Regina's warning, all three women are grabbed by enchanted vines and lashed to the tree. Pan comes out of the shadows and tells them that they will be reunited with Henry, but only in death. He also very dramatically is like, this is where I abandoned my boy. Elisa, (laughs) please add a clip of Griffin McElroy yelling, I abandoned my boy! I abandoned my boy! (laughs) I abandoned my boy! I abandoned my boy! I abandoned my boy! I abandoned my boy! So good. Is this critical role? Is my brother, my brother and me. But they do do a D&D show called The Adventure Zone, which we have talked about with you. Right. But this is not from their D&D show. It's Adventure from their okay. it's from their their bad advice show that they have. <laughs> oh, okay. Hi, boy. In the past, Regina returned to the agency in Boston to give Henry back, along with very specific instructions on his care. Regina is sad that it didn't work out, but unforeseen circumstances came up. The agent assures her that it happens and that he already has a new family lined up to adopt Henry. A worried Regina is given a private minute to say her goodbyes. Regina sadly tells baby Henry that he deserves better than her and that he is the only one in all the realms who believes in her. She lifts him out of his carrier and stares into his sweet little face When the adoption agent returns for final signatures on paperwork, Regina decides to keep Henry 
saying that the best thing for Henry is to have a mother who will never let go of him ever again. After Regina leaves, the agent informs the people who are next in line to adopt Henry that they will have to return to the waiting list. Turns out it was the Crandall Darling Squad. This was the most hilarious scene. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, are they adopting as brothers? Are they pretending to be a couple? What the fuck is the story here? This is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I lost my fucking mind at this part. <laughs> like, oh boy, these dum-dums are back. Who was going to adopt a child out to these losers? What qualifications do they have? Were they just like, hello, we can have baby? We have jobs. Maybe. And this is the moment I knew it was a shady backdoor baby selling sham. Everything about this adopted agency, I can only assume and hope is wildly inaccurate. Because this, this can't be how any of this works. I mean, back in like the 50s, there were a lot of people like literally selling babies. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a bit more of a complex process than in this. The, in the modern era. I, I do know, though, that there are still scam scam agencies. Um, oh, for sure. But they usually don't actually give you a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they just take your money and, and then declare bankruptcy or some shit or like, you know, move out the next day. And less so being like, Oh, these people are wildly incompetent. I'm sure giving them a child will be fine. You sure, have a baby. Fine. Be fine. Sure. I'm have sure a you're a fit parent. Here you go, you two strange men. It's young men, too. <laughs> it's like, um... You absolute like... fucking children, whatever. You know, raise this baby, brother dads. <laughs> <laughs> we return to Neverland, where Peter Pan explains that the tree Emma, Mary Margaret, and Regina are tied to attacks the regret in one's souls. He reveals that this tree is where he abandoned his son, who is now trapped in Pandora's box. The women are shocked by the revelation in that Mr. Gold and, by extension, Neil and Henry are Pan's descendants. Pan notes the similarities in age discrepancies to Emma and Mary Margaret. Unimpressed, Regina calls Pan a fraud, claiming that his magic is weakened and he cannot hurt them. Peter Pan confirms her instinct, but says that the tree will protect him until his power is restored. Pan tells them that they will not escape because each of them has actions that they regret. In true She-Hulk fashion, Emma claims that she regrets not taking a better shot at Pan. He tells Emma that she regrets giving up Henry, and Mary Margaret regrets giving up Emma. But when he comes around to the former evil queen, Regina said she should regret casting the curse and murdering thousands. But she says she doesn't because it got her a son. As soon as she says this, the vines holding them to the tree break, enabling Regina to take back Henry's heart and Pandora's box. That was pretty fucking badass, actually. Regina's new mantra should be self-aware, don't care. She's a honey badger and honey badgers don't give a shit. Oh yeah, Regina. Bitches get shit done. No regrets. <laughs> I don't have regrets. I only have regrets. Only regrets. <laughs> the Ghost and Molly McGee. <laughs> Please sponsor us, the Ghost and Molly McGee. I don't know. <laughs> I want a scratch plush. <laughs> Do you want a scratch plush, baby? You know I want a scratch plush. I don't Fucking know if they make. Scratch. I don't know if they make one yet. No, no. I'll have to look on Etsy. Is this a show I still have to watch? 
Yeah, we recommended it like a month or two ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but I got distracted by the other one. Amphibia? No. No, uh, Dead End. Dead End. Now, Ghost of Molly McGee is very good. It's this effervescent bubbly girl whose best friend is a grumpy ghost who doesn't want to be here. That's right. Okay, (laughs) yes, 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 yes. The woman rushed back to the ship with Henry's heart, where Hook is putting the lost boys on board. Regina puts Henry's heart back in his chest. And after a few tense moments, Henry awakens with a gasp. He hugs his mothers and immediately apologizes for trying to be a hero. But none of that matters anymore. And Hook suggests that Henry get some rest in the captain's quarters. In Storybrook of the Past, Regina invites Archie again and discusses her child with him. He thinks it's amazing that she found someone to love. But Regina is worried that the birth mother may come to take Henry back someday. Archie advises Regina to live in the present because she won't be happy if she keeps dreading the future. Later that day, Regina takes baby Henry to her vault and tells him a story. Her story in the form of a fairy tale. As she recounts her simplified, very subjective tale, Regina concocts a forgetting potion so she can enjoy being with Henry without the stress of worrying constantly about the potential return of Henry's birth mother. Also, once Regina sets the cup down after taking the potion, it completely disappears, which could be a bad piece of continuity, but I actually think it's a clever part of the spell since Mm. she would know she cast a spell on herself if she saw the cup. But with the cup disappearing, she wouldn't have a clue. And it wasn't just like missing from one shot. It was missing from every single shot that followed her setting it down. Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, I always hesitate to give them credit. Like, if that was on purpose, then good job. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm always like, no, upon a time, you make some stupid choices. (laughs) But it could be very, it could be very clever because, you know, if Regina had seen that cup, then she'd just be like, what's this cup here? What did I do? It could be. (laughs) I'm going to choose to think positively today. All right. (laughs) In the present day, Regina tucks Henry in bed and puts a protection spell on his heart so no one can take it ever again, promising that he will be safe now. Morgan Freeman voice. He, in fact, was not safe. (laughs) Once Regina leaves... A crazed and desperate Pan appears at the window, apologizing that it has come to this. And he's got some next level crazy eyes in the scene. Mm -hmm. Like this is a man child who has just run out of options. Meanwhile, back on the deck of the ship, Neil releases Mr. Gold from Pandora's box. They share a hug, fully reconciled. Mary Margaret, Emma, and Charming are overjoyed now that Gold is back and able to continue mixing an elixir to save David. Quickly, Mr. Gold realizes his grandson is in trouble and gets to him just as Pan is desperately attempting to rip out Henry's shadow. Mr. Gold uses Pandora's box to trap Peter Pan, but the latter switches bodies with his great-grandson, who ends up trapped instead. Regina, Emma, and Neil trap the shadow on the sail by launching it out of a cannon, and the ship begins to fly home. This was one of the most bonkers-ass scenes in a show (laughs) full of bonkers-ass scenes. It really was. 
you know, the elixir is not made yet. And here David stands healthy as a workhorse. Well, I think that's to be expected because that's what happened before. Hook's brother was fine too, I think, until they landed back in their home realm and it was like a few minutes and then he collapsed. So like in transit, he was just fine too. At least I think so. It's been a while since we watched that episode. Yeah, no, that is what happened. It's just, it just means that like Rumpel has to then make the elixir on the ship. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, how are we going to do this? You know, he doesn't have the stuff. It's all in his workshop. I, I guess know. we'll see. Whatever. I'll harass Ariel to go pick them up something again. He can't. They're in the sky. They're flying. <laughs> He'll figure it out. <laughs> He'll just yell down at the ocean really, really loud, and she'll be oh. like, God, not again. I do remember how this works out. But Stop bothering me, old man. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. There's a way they solve it. On their way back, Wendy gifts Tink with the last vial of pixie dust. It is inert, and because she has lost her wings... Tink has no magic to revitalize the last bit of dust. Wendy believes in her nonetheless, and Tink promises that Wendy will be reunited with her brothers. They grew up to be some real fucking dorks, so you have that to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wish we'd learn more about Tinkerbell and Wendy and their time here on Neverland. Like, were Tinkerbell and Pan best bros at some point? Because we know that she was welcomed into their camp. And it's clear here that her and Wendy have some familiarity. So back when Wendy had more free range of the island, were they close? I mean, judging by Peter's like reaction to Hook and Liam, like he doesn't care if people come to the island or whatever and like shack up there or something. It, just so long as it's like, all right, just don't, you know, fuck with what I'm doing you know, and watch yourself, I guess, and bye. <laughs> you know, like, he just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Once upon a time, tell me more about Tinkerbell. She was very interesting. I'm but. sad that we don't get much more of her. Yeah, I think we get another, we 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 get another Tinkerbell episode, like another Tinkerbell-centric episode, I think in 3B, but I think that might be it. Oh, that sucks. I like her a lot. Me too. We have a little more of her, but I think there's only one more that's, like, centered around her. Okay. Then she has to star on iZombie. Oh, very nice. very important. The fake Henry emerges from the cabin, much to Neil's surprise. Neil promises that Henry has a dad forever now and that he will never leave his boy. Tink approaches Regina, and after a short but sweet conversation, the pixie dust begins to glow. Henry grabs a plate of food to hand over to a pouting Felix, who tries to brush him off until he realizes that his weird child lord, Peter Pan, has swapped bodies with Henry during the struggle. Pan professes that since no one knows he switched bodies with Henry, he and Felix can finally defeat the heroes. And credits. This was a very inoffensive episode. Is it a banger? No. Was it a shit show? No. I like that they focused on the more vulnerable side of Regina and showed us how baby Henry came into her life. All she needed was a little confidence and a bit more patience than she is used to. The rest just sort of came together for her as a new mom. I like that at the end, Pan is back and his desperate insanity has been amped up to 11. 
but Robbie Kay is so restrained, unlike Stephen Lord, the actor who played Malcolm. So you feel the real danger Henry is placed in. But yeah, that's kind of all I got to say about this episode. This episode was fine. Like, Mm -hmm. I liked it better than last week, although I did doze off during parts of it. So, (laughs) I mean, the, the newest pan plot twist was, I guess, better than the last one. But I still didn't think it was great. But, like, at least Archie was in this episode, so that's something. It is an important something. It is. He's so soothing, and I love him so much. Yeah, this one's pretty solid. It's not as strong as some of the earlier ones this season, but stronger than last week. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really good one for Lana, especially. Yeah. But Jennifer Morrison, Michael Raymond James, and Robbie Kay also stand out. I, I think... The episode does well to set up that Regina really does deeply care about Henry. That even back then as a baby, she was willing to potentially welcome her downfall just to keep him. She knew of danger and forgot it in order to be Henry's mom. The danger is only very specifically to her. Yeah. And she's very, she's a very selfish character, right? Like that's, there's no question about that. So there's one person she can be selfless for, and she shows that in this moment that she is capable of that. This season is doing way better of a job portraying Regina as a caring mom for Henry than like season one did. Yes. Um, And don't get me wrong. Season one, Regina was definitely like really focused on thwarting Emma, which I get. But still, there were a few times where we were like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, like she is kind of a bad mom. She did some pretty horrible things to Henry, specifically consistently making him feel like he was crazy. Yeah, exactly. That was not great. (laughs) That was not great. I'm glad that season three, I think in no small part to Lana having a lot more weight to throw around because I know Regina being horrible to Henry in any way always bothered her. So this episode also sets up you know, all the parties finally coming together again, then finally escaping Neverland. And while they think they're escaping Neverland, they are heading towards, well, unknown to them, a final showdown with Peter Pan. So it's got some penultimate episode vibes, but it's not actually the penultimate for this arc. It's the one before the penultimate. But overall, I think it's a really nice build up to what's to come in the next two episodes. Costumes. I think Peter Pan has a new costume in this one. Actually, I think he was also in it at the end of last week as well. It's a darker green. I, uh, it looks like a, maybe a, like a, a richer material, like mm-hmm. maybe a suede, but almost velvety looking. Like I can't quite tell just with the quality. But overall, it has a, a, a more polished look. Like it's still very woodsy. I liked it. I thought it looked really good. And Regina in the opening scene... Kind of looked like a fancy Rufio. <laughs> like if Hannah Alexander or Sunset Dragon designed a Rufio ball gown, I think it might look like that. And yeah. I'm not mad at it. It looked great. Yeah. I just rewatched Hook and you're right. It does look good. But you got to take a shot for feathers. Well, as much as we laugh at them, John and Michael actually look good costume wise. Michael has this gorgeous like charcoal on black paisley scarf that I really especially love. Like they were dressed very well. 
Honestly, the only thing costume-wise that really stuck out to me this episode was that the storybook flashbacks, they have Regina uncharacteristically dressed outside of her colors. Like, she's in light tans and pale yellows and soft blues, which are usually Snow White slash Mary Margaret's type colors. So I was kind of confused, like, is it just that the wardrobe department fell asleep on the job this episode? I wonder if it was intentional to reflect the dissatisfaction and lack of confidence Regina is feeling internally, or that she wants to express her softer side. And, you know, Snow White is a gentle person. Oh, plus young Regina wore light blue and and like very like light natural tones. So I think this was a visual cue from the wardrobe department showing that Regina wants to reconnect that feeling again. I mean, much like what we discussed before, if that was what they were going for, that would be pretty cool. And they would get props from me, but I'm always hesitant to give this show that much credit because they are wildly inconsistent fair costuming color story they do a decent job of so often but then sometimes they do that weird shit like that episode where like out of nowhere they just completely changed regina's entire makeup schematic and i was like why 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 (laughs) and it just it didn't look good and it haunts me how bad her makeup looked in that episode i love that episode i love that makeup it just it did it like why it's not what her makeup's supposed to be she has a she has a distinct schematic I did stage makeup. She had a schematic. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying I liked it. I mean, you can like the makeup and, and also recognize that it was wildly out of character. Oh, no, her. absolutely. 1000%. I totally recognize that. They they made her makeup very soft and it's never soft. It's all very like striking colors, smoky eyes, red lips. And then they just were like, what if, what if we did the, what if we did naturals? And I was like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess my final comment is Felix's hair in the last scene made me really <laughs> angry to look at. It was beyond messy, and I guess it's intentional, but like... Yeah. It wasn't just messy, it was greasy. Ah, uh, Felix. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm sure that the Lost Boys have terrible hygiene, but... He's got to whip that hood on and off all the time, which is... It's also a fantasy show, so like, let me just believe that they somehow managed to stay clean. <laughs> Just give them a fantasy hairbrush. Just See, that would take me out of the scene for a cast lost Cast prestidigitation. Just for the lost boys, because they are absolutely supposed to be filthy and neglected looking. I mean, Felix does look filthy and gross. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. So Ew. gross. Ew. I hate it. It's so <laughs> gag me. Oh my God. Are you puh? Do you look, you look puh? <laughs> Just full on Anna. <laughs> You're not <Respect>. special, Felix. <laughs> My God, wash your hair. I'm just getting lumpy space princess over here now. I bet <laughs> that boat was so smelly. With, oh, I'm with sure. Those, oh, I know. It's just full of a bunch <laughs> of just unwashed children. <laughs> I'm sure like Mary Margaret too was like having a conniption. She was just like, do you have a bar of soap anywhere? I really want to get them in like, I just, I just, they just, they need a bath. Okay. They just they, need a they, bath. David, look, they need a bath. <laughs> look, we can, we can take the water rations out of mine. Okay. I just want to get them in a tub. And I could be dehydrated. Them. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> We're almost home. We're almost home. The dehydration I, headache I have juice is worth box. not smelling this. I have juice boxes in my bag. Okay. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. But they need a bath. And I, I'm sure Dave was just like, 
no, no, no. We're just putting them like in the town square and hosing them off. <laughs> we're just gonna we're line just gonna, them up against the wall. We're just gonna bust a fire hydrant yeah. and be like, get in there, what boys. it is. <laughs> Burn all the clothes. They are not allowed to step inside. There's lice in them. Oh, Ooh. God, at the very least. Yeah, no. Those, those children need to be thoroughly deloused when they arrive in yeah. store. They just they have to walk through a car wash. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> They're just like, all right, here's a bag full of quarters. Just go do the thing. A bag full of quarters. All right. Let's play who's that guest star. So in season three, episode nine, we have Julian D. Christopher as the adoption agent. Mr. Christopher has been a character actor since the early 70s with roles in shows like The Magician. Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Smallville, Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries, and Supernatural. Do a shot. Supernatural. Gotta do a shot. It's on <laughs> your do a card. shot. Gotta do a shot. I All feel right. like that's basically the free square. Mm. Yeah. Because it's not there. That, that one's magic. All magic comes with a price, I think. Okay. But that's yeah, fair. Super, but if it's, if it's not, if it's not all magic comes with a price, then free space would have to be supernatural. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's just like a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's time for Once Upon a Timeline. We're going to cannonball that shadow up to the sail down the timeline. I don't know. That part was you so weird. It, it was, was real weird. It was just yeeting it right to it. It was, <laughs> it, it was fucking bonkers. It was, a, it was a, I don't know why that happened the way it did, but it did. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to the timeline. All right. All right. Let's go. <laughs> So, the flashbacks in this episode show Regina initially adopting Henry, and then attempting to return him, and then deciding to keep him. In the episodes we've seen so far, the one that has flashbacks that come most directly before this one are those seen in Season 2, Episode 17, Welcome to Storybrooke, where we see Storybrooke first appear in Maine in the land without magic. And of course, in that episode, we see Regina meet Owen, try to become his new mom kill his sad dad <laughs> and then in the woods <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and then the flashbacks we've seen so far that would most closely follow this one would be henry showing up on emma's doorstep in episode one season one pilot what are your rants and raves this week ladies so I just finished up a book called the midnight girls by alicia jasinska I think I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. I really liked it. It's heavily inspired by Slavic folklore and is basically sapphic monster girls who eat boys' hearts to gain power. So, like, what's not to like? I added it to my Amazon list. I think you're going to like it a lot. Yay. You have not steered me wrong yet, so. God, I try not to. Yeah, no, I trust you. So for mine, Lynn and me went to Disneyland for our dating anniversary. That also is Disneyland's birthday. And we did the Fantasmic dining party. I haven't probably watched Fantasmic in years. Not since it was redone, like however many years back. So it was a lot of fun. We usually don't do the nighttime shows. So this was like some, something different. We had spots right up front, thanks to the dining party. So we got to sit like right at the... The gate at the rivers of America. And it got yeah. very wet. And it yeah. got very wet. It was very wet. My um, bangs were destroyed by the end of it. 
but I'd never seen the new Maleficent dragon in person, and she's so cool. What a what an awesome giant animatronic, I guess. Yeah, that's what she is. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she's so cool. Yeah. yeah, I love that show so much. Love it. So, during my plug recovery, Ariane and I hopped on a video chat and watched The Orange Years, the Nickelodeon story, which is a documentary. <laughs> it was very interesting and very endearing. So if you were born between 1972 and 1986, I think it will hit the sweet spot of nostalgic feels if you grew up watching Nickelodeon. Because it goes up until mid to late 90s. Like it goes right right about like where SpongeBob sort of made them mainstream. I also finally finished Star Trek Discovery Season 4. Loved it. And started Strange New Worlds. I definitely recommend both of them. Otherwise, I'm enjoying my birthday week, ate some lovely fresh sushi, went to a sound bath, and am preparing for my pool party this weekend. Oh, and I'm guest co-hosting on one of my favorite podcasts ever, Fuckboys of Literature. So stay tuned for more details. All in all, life is good. Nice. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, the residents of Storybrooke are overjoyed upon the return of Henry and our heroes from Neverland. But unbeknownst to them, a plan is secretly being put into place by a well-hidden pan that will shake up the very lives of the townspeople. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Snow White and Prince Charming's honeymoon turns out to be anything but romantic when they go in search of a mythical being that could stop Regina cold in her tracks. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is sometimes you just gotta cannonball a shadow into the sail of your life and everything will work out. I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Riru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Or, I don't really, Horks doesn't really flow naturally <laughs> off my tongue. Okay. <laughs> I was um, trying to, I was trying to come up was, with a funnier word. Yeah, yeah, um violently projectile vomits <laughs> it wasn't the thing is it was a splat yeah so it was like he splats on her but that sounds like poop so it's like it's not, yeah splatting yeah. does sound like he took a poo on her he works <laughs> henry horks on her henry fears a who henry horks on her. oh no <laughs> it's the unpublished dr seuss book <laughs> oh no i hate it <laughs> i'm sorry i'll stop now <laughs> He pukes on her. There you go.